0: Now, the one who protects us all from prattling prognosticators and perfidious pundits.
1: I say, America, stay out the
2: bushes. Look for the union label. to
0: secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the government. From my cold, dead hands. I'm
2: concerned that if we don't impeach this president,
3: he will get reelected.
0: It's time for the Alan Nathan Show. Here he is, the longest-running nationally syndicated centrist host in the country, Alan Nathan.
1: Well, welcome, everyone, to The Alan Nathan Show. I'm Karen Cataline, happily sitting in Alan's big chair for today. I'm a commentator-columnist all around rabble-rouser. I don't know how to define rabble-rouser. Maybe it just means that I speak my mind and I encourage you to do the same. And uh, maybe that I revere dissent and discussion and debate, which is the fundamental, one of the most fundamental principles uh, that uh, founded this great country. There's so much disturbing news. And as you know, we have a lineup, always a tremendous lineup of guests. And uh, it, you have to tell the truth about the difficult times we're living in and the constant red flags, to coin a phrase, that our liberties, our Bill of Rights, our Constitution is under attack and we have a malicious strain of uh, politicians who have no respect or regard, it appears, for our fundamental Bill of Rights. I wring my hands and talk about it often, but I also seek to find pieces of good news. And I'll tell you, sometimes it's a little difficult, but I've been compiling some pieces of good news and here's a few of them. I'm just going to kind of rattle them off for you so that you know that there is a great deal of pushback going on more now than ever And if you don't push back on tyranny and on bullies and people who have no sense of restraint, uh, that only empowers and emboldens them to do more of the same. Sometimes we know that intellectually, but we don't always, and that's really a very rhetorical you or we, uh, we don't always remember that when we're feeling Bullied and threatened, we think if we just say or do what do what they say, they'll go away and go after someone else. But uh, they they don't anyway. Good news. So New York City, one of the hotbeds of wearing masks after three years, no matter how much masks have been proven. To be ridiculous and insane, I won't say they don't work, because they do work. They work to uh, make the public conform, obey, and submit to government authority. They work beautifully. It's been true ever since, even before they put women in burkas and, and women to cover their noses and mouths so they would be submissive. And, you know, once upon a time, the left actually... Thought that was a bad idea, but not anymore. Uh, New York City police want shoppers to remove their masks before entering stores. Uh, Apropos of the fact that eventually the left and the radicals eat themselves, they are pro-crime. They are all for emptying prisons and defunding police and allow the worst of humanity to rule the streets and to rule law-abiding citizens. It's a upside-down world. They've created an extremely unsafe environment in New York City. Face masks, once an essential COVID-19 protective measure, but they don't protect anything or anyone. They protect the tyrants from telling you, helping tell you what to do, are now being worn by criminals. That always used to be the case. Remember the outlaws from the old Westerns? They were always wearing scarves on their faces. That's how they went in to rob banks. Uh, Once upon a time, banks said, you may not enter a bank uh, if your face is covered because you could rob indiscriminately. So now, uh, New York police who are defunded quite a bit are urging businesses to unmask customers before letting them in their stores. How about that for good news? Sometimes karma is a difficult thing. Uh, here is another piece of good news. I consider it a superb piece of good news. Uh, The state of Tennessee, Tennessee governor, just signed a ban on transgender medical care for minors and on drugs for kids. Now, just as you would imagine, the radical left is claiming victimhood. They're saying, how dare you stop us? from poisoning the innocence of children. How dare you stop us from targeting children with pornography and sexual grooming? They have no defense for what they're doing. Uh, They claim victimhood, oh, you're after trans people. You know what? You could be as pro-trans as (laughs) you want, even though even though they've created it as a social contagion in the young, which is criminal, to tell kids there is no such thing as boy or girl. Then they claim trans people suffer from gender dysphoria, and that's why we have to do mastectomies on nine-year-olds. This is psychosis, ladies and gentlemen. It isn't just psychosis. It's criminal psychosis. Having been a social worker one, once upon a time, I have ranted constantly about the sexualization of children. This goes off the scale with the sexualization of children. Uh, once upon a time, once again, the everyone, everyone believed, that movie rating systems were a good idea because there are some things, some materials that are best saved for adults and not for children. If you go to Las Vegas and there is uh, <laughs> there are legal houses of prostitution, which are best controlled privately and not by the government because they can't even make one of those work. Uh, it says no one under maybe either 21 or 18 allowed. We've had movie rating systems forever. And yet suddenly within supposedly a blink of an eye, we have the radical less left putting pornography on the s- shelves of grade schools, grade, grade school libraries, sometimes in the most conservative of places as an attack, as a weapon, but they're doing it all over the country and, uh, And uh, it, it is an attack. It's an attack on children. It's an attack on our country, on our culture. And once upon a time, if you said, you know what, every kid six years old ought to be able to see deep throat. Do you imagine that anybody 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 years ago would have been taken seriously if they were told that? We do still have laws on the books for child pornography, using children, exposing children to pornography, and yet somehow normals are on the defensive for why they want to restrict pornography and sexualization for children. We're on the defensive as to why we think a mastectomy for a nine-year-old is not a good idea. In fact, it's criminal. And somehow conservatives have trouble winning that argument. Bravo, yay, and yahoo to the ten- Tennessee governor, Bill Lee, who just signed two huge bills into law. And yes, I and many other people are called anti-trans because we would rather sexual be reserved for consenting adults. You see, the left has abandoned all sense of consent to begin with, let alone consenting adults. They don't know what consent is. You know, you've heard of that thing, informed consent. Not to the left, no. They've become totalitarians. You do not need to give your consent. We'll tell you what to think. We'll tell you what to believe. We'll tell you what to do. And if you don't do it, you're anti this, anti that. You're racist, you're sexist. You're a homophobe, right? don't buy it. Stand strong. I got to take a break. We got a terrific lineup of guests here on the Alan Nathan show. You're listening to the main street radio network. I'm Karen Catalina. We'll be right back.
4: never heard of it but C difficile or C diff infection is a highly contagious bacterial infection that the US CDC declared a major public health threat which results in an estimated half a million infections each year C diff infection takes hold in the gut microbiome and debilitating symptoms may include stomach pain nausea fever and severe diarrhea if you get C diff infection once Dr Dennis Durrell executive director of Hospital Medicine American Physician Partners LLC says there's a good chance it will come back
5: Up to 35% of people who get a C. diff infection may get it again. This is called a recurrence. After that first recurrence, up to 65% may get C. diff again. Rebiota is the first and only FDA-approved microbiome-based treatment to prevent recurrent C. diff infection after you've taken antibiotics for recurrent C. diff infection. It's a single-dose treatment administered in minutes during one visit to your doctor's office.
4: Talk to your doctor to find out if Rebiota is right for you. To learn more, visit rebyota.com. Rebiota Fecal Microbiota Live JSLM is indicated for the prevention of recurrence of Clostridioides difficile C. diff infection in individuals 18 years of age and older following antibiotic treatment for recurrent C. diff infection limitation of use. Rebiota is not indicated for the treatment of C. diff infection. Important safety information. You should not receive rebiota if you have a history of a severe allergic reaction, e.g. anaphylaxis to rebiota or any of its components. You should report to your doctor any infection you think you may have acquired after administration. Rebiota may contain food allergens. Most common side effects may include stomach pain, 8.9%, diarrhea, 7.2%, bloating, 3.9%, gas, 3.3%, and nausea, 3.3%. Rebiota has not been studied in patients below 8 Years of age. Clinical studies did not determine if adults 65 years of age and older responded differently than younger adults. You are encouraged to report negative side effects of prescription drugs to FDA. Visit FDA.gov forward slash MedWatch or call 1 800 332 1088. Please visit Rebiota.com for full prescribing information.
5: Dear John, I was hoping it wouldn't come to this, but you've left me no choice. I'm leaving uncontrolled high blood pressure is really serious and lately you seem to really not care i've been there for you since day one and i know you think i'm gonna keep ticking but no my friend i can quit whenever i want why can't we get back to the good times when we were more active and ate more healthy foods and you checked on me every once in a while is that too much to ask i don't want to leave but unless you stop ignoring me what else am i supposed to do remember when i quit you quit Sincerely, your heart.
6: Listen to your heart and don't let it quit on you. Doing the minimum to control your high blood pressure isn't doing enough. High blood pressure can lead to a stroke, heart attack, or death. Get your blood pressure to a healthy range before it's too late. For help keeping yours at a healthy range, text pressure to 97779. A message from the American Heart Association, the American Stroke Association, and the Ad Council.
2: The mission of Paralyzed Veterans of America is clear. Accessibility. Veterans who have served and sacrificed the best of themselves deserve access to the best our country has to offer. Access to meaningful employment. Access to the veterans benefits they've earned. Accessible homes and vehicles. And access to every part of their communities. With PVA staff working inside VA hospitals
1: Welcome back, everyone, to The Alan Nathan Show. We are delighted to have our very first guest here on The Alan Nathan Show. He is a senior legal fellow with the Center for Immigration Studies. His name is George Fishman, and we're glad to have him here right now. Hi, Mr. Fishman, George, I hope. Uh, Good to have you. Yes,
0: hi. Thanks so much for having me.
1: Well, it is a pleasure to have you. And it's quite clear, it's easy to read the headline and get us off and running. It is illegal to hire illegals. <laughs> and Congress can stop it. Oh, You can use that if you want. Congress can stop companies from hiring illegals anytime they want, but yet they refuse to do it. What's that say about Congress? And how can we get them to do that? Give us the background on this, because we just live with this, don't we? Well well,
0: well, well, sure, yes. And and while I'm often critical of Congress, this time um, it's the Justice Department which uh, which um, has been uh, delinquent in uh, yeah, in doing its job ever since 1986, almost 40 years ago. Uh, Uh, Forty years ago, in 1996, Congress made it uh, unlawful for employers to knowingly hire illegal aliens in in order to turn off the jobs magnet, which attracts most illegal aliens to the United States. And in addition to civil penalties, fines and things like that, Congress provided criminal penalties. And those criminal penalties were even uh extended further by Congress uh, a decade later in nineteen ninety six The problem with criminal penalties is that uh by the time they ever get assessed, they are so low in uh in in amount that businesses just you know write them off as a cost of doing business they don't deter. Those businesses who are knowingly hiring illegal aliens to get, a, to get an unfair advantage on their competitors, you know, civil fines are just the cost of doing business, even when the government is – even when uh, DHS is vigilant about collecting civil fines and, uh, and investigating employers, uh, to, you know, to generate the civil, civil fines – They're not enough of a deterrent. What would be a deterrent are criminal penalties, uh, criminal fines, people going to jail, executives going to jail, things like that. And Mm. unfortunately, no administration, Republican or Democrat, has ever vigorously uh, 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 prosecuted employers for the crime of knowingly uh hiring illegal aliens and um uh you know part of this part of it is because it's just not a priority part of it is um the evidence that the government has to get in order to prosecute uh you know is often hard to find because the employer a lot of employers are just going to say hey they get you know these people gave us these documents Uh, They look genuine. So, you know, I did what what I was supposed to do. And and, you know, so the government needs to dig deeper and uh, get witnesses and and confidential informants and and things of that nature. And I suggest a few things uh, in my paper, which would which might make it easier for the government uh, to get the evidence it needs to prosecute uh, employers. But in any event, that that's sort of that's sort of where things come from.
7: Well,
1: George, you know, I have a new slogan. I don't know if it's a slogan or a phrase, and it's the uh, arsonists are in charge of the fire brigade. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, it seems to explain a lot of things. So we're expecting the government to police or to hold accountable employers who are only uh, making use of the illegals that the government itself had opened the borders for them to obtain? Then isn't it kind of unrealistic to expect them to punish the employers when uh, they open the borders?
0: Ah, uh, you make you make a very good point, and it, it's hard to argue against. The point you make, and, and um, you know, certainly, uh, you know, elections matter. And, you know, when someone like Donald Trump is elected president, uh, you will see a lot of enforcement that you've, ne- you've never seen before. Now, in this case, in the case of, you know, criminal prosecutions for hiring illegal aliens, not even uh, the Trump administration put that much focus on it. But um, but it's but you know that's something that can be done, and in addition, I, I make one suggestion in my paper, which would allow the victims of uh, the hiring of illegal aliens by employers to have a private right of action to sue those employers themselves for damages. For instance, American workers who got fired or didn't get a job uh, because the company preferred cheaper and more and more compliant uh illegal alien workers so that might be one way to get around that problem you bring up uh you know that the government has no no motivation to do this you know give it give a tool to the people who are harmed uh by the employment of legal aliens and you know that will certainly that hopefully would certainly get the attention of those employers
1: yeah um- Color me skeptical. Um, I, I think, I mean, I'm glad you're doing the work you're doing. And it's very important, extremely important, to inform people of the fact that Congress could stop it if they wanted to. But where I would like to see the public focus is to ask themselves always, always ask what defense do they have for not doing it? Aren't they implicated? Aren't they guilty by virtue of the fact that they refuse to enforce a law that they themselves have already broken? And I realize I'm making a broad generalization here. There are one or two people in Congress that are against the unvetted open borders that we are experiencing right now. But on the whole, people on both sides of the supposed aisle in the swamp uh, are pro uh, an invasion of our country There isn't a country in the whole wide world That, that would open their borders With absolutely no laws No, uh, no requirements for, for getting into that country I know you know this But doesn't it, doesn't it implicate them and, and shouldn't the public be uh, Going directly to Congress and saying How come you won't do this This is your job
0: I think you are exactly right, and that's what people need to do. I'm I'm proud to say that when I did work for Congress, and I did for. Uh, for
1: oh, uh, sorry, we. No, no I problem. was I lost track of the time. I was so fired up. How do people find you, real real quick?
0: Oh, sure. Just uh, go on to the website of the Center uh, for Immigration Studies, uh, Center for Imm- CIS. And um, you can find uh, anything uh, anything I've written. Okay.
1: Thank you. George Fishman, thank you so much for joining us. Big issue. We'll be right back on the Main Street Radio Network right after this.
6: From NAACP Image Award-nominated author Elise Bryant comes a new rom-com about two teens who overcome misconnections and find their way to love. Reggie and Delilah's Year of Falling follows two people who seemingly have nothing in common. But after a year of chance encounters, begin to think the universe may be telling them something. Dungeons and Dragons-obsessed Reggie and emotionally bottled-up Delilah meet for the first time on New Year's Eve, and again on Valentine's Day, and on random occasions throughout the the year they're drawn to each other though they are each too insecure to be their true selves so what happens once they realize they've each fallen for a version of the other that doesn't really exist
4: author elise bryant this is a sweet and funny romantic story in which the characters learn to overcome their fears and discover who they truly are i hope readers enjoy going along in this ride with reggie and delilah and maybe learn something about themselves along the way
6: Reggie and Delilah's Year of Falling is now available wherever books are sold.
1: The new Mayo Clinic diet has been named among the top diets by U.S. News & World Report. Dr. Donald Hensrud, medical director of the Mayo Clinic Healthy Living Program, explains what makes their program so effective.
2: Our new Mayo Clinic diet, built by a team of doctors and medical experts, focuses less on counting calories and more on empowering users with the knowledge and ability to maintain a healthy weight.
6: Members get access to exclusive content and videos from real Mayo Clinic doctors, healthy recipes,
1: tracking tools, and the popular Habit Optimizer that helps users substitute old unhealthy habits with healthier ones, all through a mobile app.
2: Instead of fad diets or crash diets that rarely work for very long, our book and online program and app helps you adopt principles for a healthier way of life, which is really the secret to long-term success.
1: Curious to know how healthy your diet is? The Mayo Clinic has an easy three-minute quiz. Go to mayoclinicdiet.com to find out.
7: A message from the Ad Council.
1: Welcome, everyone, to Back to the Alan Nathan Show. I'm Karen Cataline, happily filling in for Alan Nathan. And I'm delighted to welcome our next guest. Just talked to him, I think, last week. And uh, he's, he's a fun one. Lots going on here. He's a conservative commentator. Former Deputy Attorney General for the Commonwealth of Virginia, and author of "Revolution: A Call to Turn Back the Lawless Left and Restore the Promise of America," Kennerly Davis joins us right now on the Alan Nathan Show. Welcome, Ken. That's what they call Good it. Good morning. Ken. Great to be back. <laughs> yeah. Great to be back. Yeah. Great to great to have you back. So. There have been, my husband actually sent me this meme, and I thought it was so important I tweeted it. There have been 41 climate disaster predictions since 1967. Their record so far, zero and 41. And yet, the climate alarmists, this is me talking now, never throttle back, the fear mongering, and now they're banning gas stoves. What's going on with that? And how come we never, ever get to hold them accountable for their constant? Well, they're just constantly wrong, aren't they? What's going on?
3: Well, it is an unbroken record of predicting the end of the world, the end of the ice caps, the end of the polar bears, the end of life as we know it. And, uh, the, the the so-called mainstream left-wing media is never mm-hmm. going to hold them accountable uh, because they're part of the echo chamber and the propaganda mechanism. It depends, or, or, or the truth depends, on programs like yours to uh, mm-hmm. point these things out and in that important way hold them accountable. Mm-hmm.
1: Yes, so what exactly is going on right now with the, uh, what exactly is going on right now with the gas stove thing? You know, when we first heard this, because a lot of people already have gas stoves, many chefs love their gas stoves, and people mocked it. People said, oh, that's ridiculous. That's what they said uh, during the, uh, when AOC introduced the Green New Deal, and mocked her. guess what they're not they're not kidding they're serious aren't they
3: they are not kidding at all now when they first um, mentioned when a, a government official first mentioned the possibility of of, of uh, banning gas stoves this is a comment made by one of the commissioners at the federal government's consumer product safety commission back in january when they were talking about Um, a proceeding to review what they called the dangers of gas stoves. And anyway, at that time, he said um, an outright ban, uh, given the dangers and risks and potential harms from gas stoves, an outright ban was a real possibility. And, uh, and Mm. of course, there was tremendous blowback from that, justifiable, understandable blowback, 45%, I think, of American homes have gas appliances, and almost 100% of the um, of, of, of the cooking equipment in any institutional setting—schools, uh, uh, restaurants, uh, other public buildings—it's uh, it's all gas because with a great many meals to be prepared and served in a tight time schedule you need that efficient adjustment of of, of the ability to instantaneously raise or lower the temperature so anyway there's a lot of blowback and they said no 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 and when the um, CPSC opened its formal information gathering proceeding last week it said it was merely looking for Information that would help it come up with potential solutions to the risks associated with gas stoves. And it says specifically, this proceeding, and I'm quoting now, does not constitute or propose any regulatory action or ban, close quote. That is not to be believed. It's not a ban. It's not a, it's not a, Plan to ban stoves and the border is secure and the economy is fine and the streets are safe. And if you like your doctor, you can keep your doctor.
1: (laughs) Yeah, right.
3: These (laughs) people are not to be believed. They are out to ban it as a part of the across the board radical campaign to decarbonize the American economy and get rid of all production and distribution and use of all fossil fuels, including natural gas, and to drive us toward a supposedly Eden-like ideal future uh, where it's all electric and all the electricity comes from wind and solar and batteries.
1: Yes, but the elite and the wealthiest among the wealthy will never have to suffer with any of that. Um, they're the ones that fly their private jets to the climate change uh, uh, meetings to tell everybody else how to live. They're the extreme wealthy that tell the rest of us that uh, we will own nothing, but we will be happy. Uh, I like to say, you first, okay? Oh, You yeah. first.
3: Yeah. Uh, uh, but they're they're um, they're not only not first, uh, they're never. I mean, and in the case no. of gas stoves, look, I mean, Biden's Department of Energy is also after gas stoves, and they've come up with um, design requirements, so-called so-called efficiency standards that would, if implemented, these are proposed standards still, but if implemented, would take off the market drive off the market 20 out of 21 current gas stove models but but the gas the the uh, the top end and this is to your point about the elites the top end appliance manufacturers the the, the, the companies yeah. that uh, that uh, uh, build and market the upscale ranges and refrigerators and everything you see in the food magazines. Guess what? They're coming out. They've said they're prepared to design uh, a new generation of gas stoves that can meet the DOE requirements. Of course, they will be fantastically expensive. But of that's course. all. Right. Because, because The people, the virtue signaling first adopters uh, will be happy to buy the multi-thousand dollar next generation gas range while, while we do what? We, we, we hold on to our gas stove and and try to cook on electric.
1: Yeah. Uh, I think the thing that most frustrates uh, the average everyday law-abiding citizen is that this uh, alternate universe is being imposed upon us against our will, and we know that it's it's bogus, it's fraudulent, and yet they do it anyway. What do you recommend for people when they never see any accountability like the statistics I told you? They are zero and 41, and yet they move forward because they can get some gullible people to believe that this time they're telling the truth. There's a lot of people like that, and they, they, they believe it, don't they? Well, uh,
3: too many people do. That's why I've uh, your program and programs like this are so important. But ultimately, if there's any hope of accountability, it's got to be at the uh, ballot box um, and and the installation in office of a sufficient number of um, elected officials uh, who are in positions and offices with enough power to take on the otherwise unaccountable administrative state which as you say pushes ahead step by step Um, and it really is a challenge but the only way is to bring them to heel uh, by first winning a sufficient number of elections
1: yeah well, and uh, some would say that they're working hard to corrupt that as well. So we're living in extraordinary and disturbing times. Tell everybody how they can find you, follow you, and find that article having to do with um, uh, gas stove bans real quick.
3: Well, if you Google my uh, my name, um... And a lot of my articles are published under initial J, the letter J, Kennerly Davis. Um, a, a lot of articles will pop up.
1: That's great. Uh, Kennerly Davis, thank you so much once again for joining us. We appreciate it. Well, we got to take a break. We'll wrap up this hour with another guest. I'll tell you about him right after this. So-
6: In
2: December, LastPass, a popular app for managing passwords, suffered a security breach, potentially exposing millions of people's personal information. When a business created to protect passwords gets hacked, it's a reminder how vulnerable our sensitive information can be when stored in the cloud. And for businesses who need to protect data, security is a top concern. To help prevent security risks, the open directory platform provider JumpCloud recently introduced a password manager. JumpCloud's Antoine Jabara. Businesses cannot always rely on an offline solution as users need to share and access passwords across multiple devices and cloud-based options aren't ideal either. JumpCloud Password Manager takes a hybrid approach storing data on users' devices and seamlessly syncs user vaults to multiple devices in an end-to-end encrypted way. This addresses some of the limitations of cloud-based systems and bridges the gap between convenience and security. To learn more, visit jumpcloud.com.
9: There is no safe way to talk on a cell phone while driving. Find out more at nsc.orgslash callskill.
2: I'm Ben Affleck and I want to thank you for joining me and supporting paralyzed veterans of America. Our vets need you.
5: I'm quite a quadruple I'm definitely at risk with my diminished lung capacity.
8: I have MS. I'm in a wheelchair and I can't leave the house because I have a compromised immune system.
3: I'm very concerned about would there be a bed for me? Would there be a ventilator for me? Would I be able
5: to survive something? It's, it's just heavy. You know, it's, it's a heavy,
1: it's a heavy moment. This is a war. This really is.
7: Our veterans fought for us. Let's fight for them.
8: I am so grateful for the PVA. They're making sure that we have all of the food and supplies that we need right now.
7: We all got to
5: help each other right now. We can't get through this by ourselves. It's with profound gratitude
0: that you're going to be saving our lives. To find out how you can help, please go to helppva.org. That's h-e-l-p-p-v-a.org.
1: Welcome back, everyone, to The Alan Nathan Show. I'm Karen Cataline, filling in for Alan today. And uh, we are pleased to have our next guest, legal fellow at the Mies Center for Legal and Judicial Studies at the Heritage Foundation. He previously served as assistant United States attorney in the district, in the Northern District of Florida. His name is Zach Smith. Welcome, Zach. Thank you for joining us here on The Alan Nathan Show.
5: Of course.
1: Thanks so much for having me on. Uh, great. So I don't know if this is um, part of uh, what we were going to talk about today. I think it is. There's a uh, a U.S. Let's see. He's a D.C. Uh, yeah, 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 whatever it is. I don't think he's a U.S. Congressman in Washington <laughs> D.C. Who withdrew his is it? Withdrew a crime bill that would have reduced maximum penalties on certain crimes and scrapped some mandatory minimum sentences. He withdrew it, but they're still working on it. And my question is, what's that tell you about the politicians of today who seem to love criminals and uh, don't have much love for law-abiding citizens?
5: Yeah, that's exactly right, Karen, and what's particularly tragic and troubling about this situation is that a very radical rewrite of a local uh, criminal code in the District of Columbia took place in our nation's capital. Local politicians there decided to eliminate essentially all mandatory minimums. They kept the mandatory minimum for first-degree murder, uh, but they lowered the penalty. They decided they were going to decrease the penalties for a host of violent crimes, including crimes like carjacking. And they essentially decided, you know what, we are going to— Try to get criminals out of jail earlier by giving yeah. many individuals who are sentenced a second look, where they can potentially be released. It was a radical rewrite of the criminal code, and it mimics what we've seen in you know many left-leaning cities around the country, LA, Chicago, New York, you know, and others. Fortunately, because Washington D.C., the District of Columbia, is our nation's capital, the Constitution gives Congress authority over the district. And so there's a mechanism in place where essentially uh, the House and the Senate can review uh, certain bills that the local D.C. government uh, passes. Uh, And so the House, they voted several weeks ago to disapprove this resolution. They said it's radical. We're not going to put up with it. And it looks like the Senate is going to do the same thing tomorrow. And just to quickly tell you how radical this bill is, Karen, even Joe Biden said he would not oppose Congress Overriding this bill, and so if it's too radical for Joe Biden and the Biden administration, uh, that should really, you know, send up red flags for everyone.
1: I yeah, and I don't trust that either, because okay, so we didn't accept that, so they'll accept something that is only slightly less ridiculous. I have never ever seen in recent years the radical left or the left which now controls the Democrat Party. Uh, try to tighten restrictions on criminals in order to protect law-abiding citizens. I'm reminded of COVID, COVID, when they they actually imprisoned people in their homes and based and using the example, using the excuse of COVID, emptied out our prisons. Uh, uh, right. well, who, who can? Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. Well, I was
5: just going to say, no, you're exactly right. But look, here's who's forgotten in this conversation often. It's the victims of crimes. And you're exactly right. Politicians, particularly left-wing politicians, they've bought into two myths. they bought into the myth that our criminal justice system is systemically racist. It's not. And they bought into the myth that we have a mass incarceration problem in our country. We don't. If you look at who's serving time in state and federal prison, it is, by and large, repeat violent offenders. And so whenever you hear someone talking about we need to incarcerate fewer people, we need to let people out of prison earlier – Keep in mind, that necessarily means they are advocating for repeat violent offenders to be released back into our communities.
1: Well, but who started the myth? Let's go back. You know, to be on the defensive as to the myth is to ignore the fact that it was the same radical left who began the myth. They're the ones that call everybody racist. They claim that no criminal, no matter what color they are. Really committed the crime. It's really the police who arrested someone for a crime. So, I mean, what can we conclude about that? When you see again and again that these folks are pro-criminal. I mean, as I keep saying, what what does it mean? Why would they be pro-criminal to keep our cities um, uh, dangerous hellholes? Why would they want to do that?
5: Well, I'm so glad you asked, Karen. In fact, I'll put in a brief plug here. Me and one of my colleagues, we have a book coming out in June of this year talking about rogue prosecutors this radical left-wing progressive prosecution movement that's being bankrolled by George Soros and other left-wing billionaires they're essentially refusing uh, to enforce many laws and we dive into the background of, of where this movement come from why they're pushing uh, this uh, this you know radical rewrite of criminal codes and to put it shortly it's a marxist inspired ideology believe it or not uh. there is a movement called the prison act abolition movement. Uh, They don't think we should have any prison. And this is just kind of the logical progression from that. So I hope everyone will uh, check out our book when it comes out later this year. I'm
1: so glad you mentioned it. Where can people get it? And then I have a question.
5: Sure. uh, You can go to heritage.org. You can follow me on Twitter at TZSmith. We should have the pre-order link up hopefully within the next week or so. And once that's up, uh, you can get that. But follow me on Twitter at TZ Smith, and I'll post it
1: uh, when it goes live. TZ Smith. So I you know I hate to harp, but that's the bottom line and and to get rid of prisons also uh, goes to the whole Marxist plan to create so much chaos, misery, and unhappiness that the people will be clamoring and begging the government clamped down on everyone isn't that it it's not just chaos for chaos's sake it's chaos so that you can institute true tyranny for everyone and then you'll have brown shirts who really are committing uh crimes against innocent citizens they're claiming that's happening now only so they can actually do it in the future
5: Well, look, for all its flaws, our criminal justice system really is a model that the rest of the world should envy. Yes, it has flaws. Yes, there's room for improvement. But that is not what these individuals are doing. They are actively trying to fundamentally change it.
1: Yeah, horrible, horrible uh, reality. And thank you for tackling that issue. Zach Smith, we appreciate your time. And you you told everyone where they could get your book. Well, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we'll have a whole other hour of Alan Nathan show on the Main Street Radio Network. Stay tuned for that.
0: The opinions you hear on the Main Street Radio Network are those of the host, callers, and guests, and not necessarily those of the station, Main Street Radio Network, its management, or advertisers. The information on the Main Street Radio Network does not constitute a recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any product or securities. So please, consult a professional before investing. If you have any questions or comments about Main Street Radio Network, contact us at 703-719-0433 or at our website, MainStreetRadioNetwork.com.